ان الحمد لله نحمد ونستعين ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Indeed all praise is due to Allah and as such we should praise him and seek his help and forgiveness <clears throat> from that which is within ourselves and the evil which results from our deeds for whomsoever Allah has guided none can misguide and whomsoever Allah has allowed to go astray none can guide And I bear witness that there is no god worthy of worship but Allah and that Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam was the last messenger of Allah. Inna asdaq al-hadith kitabullah indeed the most truthful form of speech is the book of Allah. Wa khayra hadi hadi Muhammadin sallallahu alaihi wasallam and the best source of guidance was the guidance brought by the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam in his sunnah. وَشَرَّ الْأُمُورِ مُحْدَثَاتُهَا And the worst of all affairs are the innovations in religion. فَإِنَّ كُلَّ مُحْدَثَةٍ بِدْعَةٍ For every innovation in religion is a cursed innovation. وَكُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ ضَلَالَةٍ And all cursed innovations are misguidance. وَكُلَّ ضَلَالَةٍ فِي النَّارِ And all misguidance leads ultimately to the hellfire. Brothers and sisters, The previous khutbah we had made our way to the masjid. We were talking about the duas, the duas of remembrance of Allah on the way to the mosque. And this was part of our look at the various forms of remembrance. which prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam left behind for us to apply in our daily lives to make dhikrullah really a part of life not something we just do on an occasion or on another occasion if we remember when we remember but something which is interwoven in all of the various acts and events of our lives so we spoke about the remembrance of allah from waking up to putting on our clothes making wudu heading out of the house to the mosque but this is assuming that we didn't hear the adhan in the house so if we step back for a minute to the home when we hear the adhan of course we know that we should say la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah once the imam or the muadhin says hayya ala as-salah hayya ala al-falah so We say it with each of those uh, 
portions of the adhan la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah and this dua or this form of remembrance of allah this form of dhikrullah was the most commonly used one by rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam this is how the companions described him as using this most commonly la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah La hawla, meaning that there is nothing which moves from any place to any other place. There is no movement, nothing takes place in this world. Nothing has power, wala quwwata. There is no force, no power, except what Allah permits, what He causes, what He controls. Everything is under the power of Allah. Nothing occurs without His permission. So this is a constant reminder for ourselves to use this form of dhikr, la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. It is a constant reminder for ourselves that Allah is in control of everything. Everything is under His planning, it is under His power, it is in accordance with His will. It is in accordance with His wish. We have to internalize this dua because it is the, you could say, purifier of the hearts. It is the rest and the comfort and the peace about which Allah speaks. Allah bi dhikrillahi tatma inna al It is in this that there is anina or peace, the hearts find peace, knowing that it is all in accordance with the wish and the will of Allah. If we internalize it, then we will not be devastated, we will not be overcome by the events of our lives. Because when we look back at our lives, we just see ourselves going up and down and up and down with the various turbulences that take place in our lives. The good times, the bad times, you know, we're just reacting here, there, we're, you know, we're just like a, a leaf on the sea, going this way and this way and up and down and you know, that's, but that's not the way we're supposed to live. That is the way that one who has no remembrance of Allah lives. Remembrance of Allah is not in his or her life. So they can only react. They don't understand why and they will always ask why. That is the big question, why? Why me? Why now? Why this? Why that? For the believer, 
The believer says, why not? Why not I? Why not now? Why not this? Why not that? Can I say I don't deserve it? No. La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. And on the conclusion of the adhan, Prophet Muhammad used to renew the shahada. He taught us to renew our shahada saying, وَأَنَا أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَأَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ And I bear witness that there is no God worthy of worship but Allah who is without partner and that Muhammad wasallam was his slave and messenger. And then he would answer the questions of the grave. رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّنَّ وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ رَسُولًا وَبِالْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا رَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبَّا I am pleased with Allah as my Lord. And I am pleased with Muhammad wasallam as my messenger. And I am pleased with Islam as my religion. Every time we hear the Adhan, we say this dhikr, this remembrance of Allah, reminding ourselves, reminding ourselves of being pleased with Allah as our Lord. Back to la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. It is the same thing said in a different way. We're saying it, maybe we're not really pleased. Because we are in the back of our minds still saying why. But this is a reminder to us that we are supposed to be pleased. Not only to accept what Allah has decided, but to be pleased with it. Knowing that what He has decided is really what is best for us. If it is not something good relative to ourselves, then we are pleased for the opportunity of purification. We are pleased for the opportunity of purification. Because Prophet Muhammad had said, <clears throat> whatever a believer suffers of pain, whatever harm that befalls him or her, if they are patient with it, it removes sin. It purifies them of sin. Which is why when we go to see a person who is sick, we don't say, as is commonly said, oh you poor thing, it is so sad to see you in this state. And what is that going to do for the person? but make them feel more sad. Make them feel worse. It's not going to make them feel better. Oh, you poor thing. Suffering. You really shouldn't be suffering. No. This was not the way of Prophet Muhammad That is not what he said when he saw people in suffering. Instead he said, Tuhurun insha'Allah. Purification for you 
if Allah wills. If you are patient with it, then it is purification. It's a good thing. Of course he didn't say it's a good thing, because of course somebody who is suffering doesn't want to hear you telling him that it's a good thing, or telling her that it's a good thing. But that's what is behind it without actually saying it. You're saying purification. Tur. Remember, this is what it is. You're reminding them. This is what it can be. Of course, if you're not patient with it, then it's punishment. If you're patient with it, it's purification, a good thing. If you're not patient with it, it's punishment. Punishment from Allah, which we have brought upon ourselves. And if we weren't conscious of it, it's a wake-up call. If we were not conscious of Allah, we were living a life where we just were doing things, going here, there. We're out of sync with the deen of Islam. We're just living a life. So, we're hit. For us, who are hit at that time, it's a wake-up call. Wake up! There is something more important than what we are making the most important things in our lives. There's something of greater importance. If we take it as a wake-up call, it's a good thing. It's a good thing for us. Because we need to wake up. We can't live this life until we end up in the graves. When we finally wake up. So many people, that's what happens in their lives. They're just living the life. Even with tragedy and everything else, it's just complaining and crying and screaming and carrying on. And When it's gone, they just go on as if it had no meaning in their lives at all. Just a bad time that they got away from. And they don't wake up until they visit the grave. As one who will be buried there. That is the wake up time. So, that reminder for the believer is a good thing. So we, as believers, should remind ourselves of the pleasure. Remind ourselves of the pleasure that we should have in whatever Allah has decreed for us. وَرَضِيتُ بِاللَّهِ رَبًّا وَبِمُحَمَّدٍ رَسُولًا And with Muhammad wasallam as the messenger. We are pleased with him as the messenger, reminding ourselves that his way, his sunnah, is what we strive to follow. Because if we are pleased with him as the messenger, as the one who has brought the message of Islam to us, Islam being the proper way of life, if we are pleased with that, we are pleased with Muhammad as our messenger, then that should be reflected in 
our adherence to the sunnah. We should be firmly grasping the sunnah. Caring, conscious, aware, implementing the sunnah in our day-to-day lives. Whatever we have to do, we have to ask ourselves, what is the sunnah on this one? What is the sunnah here? If we don't know, then we are driven by Raditu bi Muhammadin Rasulah. We are driven by this dhikr, this reminder to find out. To go and find out. We won't leave any aspect of our lives blank. We don't know. We did it. If we happen to run into a sheikh somewhere along the line, we ask him, was this okay? No. This is not the way. We see people doing that even with the fard. People go to make hajj and when they come back, they ask questions, should I have done this? Was this okay? No, 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 no. no. We're going to do something. We need to know what we're supposed to be doing. Before we go and do it. Not after we do it, we wonder. This is not the way. When the Prophet ﷺ said, seeking knowledge is compulsory for every Muslim, it means knowledge before you do what you do. Not knowledge after you did it. That's not what it means. Talabul ilmi farid ala kulli Muslim. Doesn't mean that we find out what we were supposed to do after we did it. No, it means we find out what we are supposed to do before we do. So similarly, here and in every aspect of our lives, we should be aware of the sunnah, the way of Rasulullah wasallam, in that particular act. In that affair of our lives. And be sure, brothers and sisters, that there is nothing, nothing in our lives in which guidance has not been left. People wonder, why did the Prophet ﷺ have nine wives at a time? Total of 12 wives. Why did he have nine wives at one time? So that every single detail of his life would be recorded for us and conveyed. They recorded for us his day-to-day life in minute detail. Most of his wives were widows, divorcees. One wife was a virgin. Had never been married before. People say, oh, you know, the non-Muslims like to say, oh, he just loved women. Well, if he loved women and he could have the women he wanted, why not marry all virgins? Women who had never been married. But it's not what he did. 
He married women who had children already. Today in the Ummah, if a woman is divorced or her husband dies and she has kids, nobody wants to marry her. Nobody wants to marry her. She would have to struggle the rest of her life with those children. Because the sunnah of Rasulullah is not being followed. And naturally, when it's not followed, it means there's harm. There will be harm to the society. Because he was, as Allah described him, as rahmatan lil alameen. He was a mercy to the worlds. His way of life brought mercy to human society. So when one neglects or ignores his guidance, his way, then know that mercy will be lost. Mercy will be lost. So for those widows and those divorcees, the mercy is lost. They have to struggle. And we, the males of the Ummah, are to blame. On the Day of Judgment, we will have to answer. For those women who struggle, and strove on their own, neglected by their families, abandoned by those who had the means to marry them as second wives, but they chose not to. The mercy of Islam, the way of the Prophet ﷺ is lost. So remember brothers and sisters, to be pleased with Muhammad ﷺ as our messenger. And to be pleased with Islam as our way of life. To be pleased with Islam as our way of life. Meaning that we feel uncomfortable. We are upset when we are not able to live Islam in our daily lives. We will move, we will shift, we will make hijrah, we will transfer our residence, leave where we are living in order to be pleased with Islam as our religion. Right now, we move, we shift, we make hijrah for what? For money. That's what we're doing, isn't it? We're all here 
I don't think I can see a single Qatari in the audience, in the, among those who are praying here. Well, of course, the khutbah is in English, so they have probably chosen Arabic masters anyway. But, what is it saying? In this group of prayers here, those who are praying here, worshippers, how many of us came here because Islam was what we were pleased with? We came here for Islam. This is the question we have to ask ourselves. We came here for the dunya. Because the salaries are higher, the standard of living is better. This is what drove us here. So what happened to Raditu bil Islami Dina? If we look at the practice of Islam back in our own country, maybe it was better than here. So then, what? What do we say to Allah on the Day of Judgment? Our children, when they went to school back home, they went to school with other Muslims. Their teachers were Muslims. Islam was present. Here, we have our kids in the British school, the American school, being inundated with a culture foreign to Islam. So every day we have to listen to them come home with something else. We have to check their books, we have to listen in on their conversation with their friends. Because in these schools, they are being, as one of my friends would say, caffeinated. So we have to question ourselves. Were we pleased with Islam as our way of life? We have to say no. If we came here simply because of the dunya, for money, then we have to say, that is proof we are not pleased. Of course, Islam respects trade and business. So one may come here for trade and business, etc. But when you come with the whole family and you just settling into life here, and you know why you're here, then we have to question, are we pleased with Islam as our religion? I ask Allah SWT to make us pleased with Islam as our religion, and with Muhammad wasallam as our messenger, and with Allah, pleased with you, O Allah, as our Lord. أقول قول هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم ورسائل المسلمين من كل دم فاستغفروا إنه هو الغفور الرحيم. الحمد لله. 
Wassalatu wassalam ala Rasulillah. All praise is due to Allah and may Allah's peace and blessings be on the last messenger of Allah. Following that dua, the Prophet ﷺ taught us to make another dua. Allahumma rabba hadhi da'wati tamma wa salati al-qa'ima ati Muhammadin lil-wasila wal-fadila wa ba'athu maqaman mahmudan alladhi wa'adta innaka la tukhlifu al-mi'ad. Wallah, Lord of this call, the call to prayer, this perfect call, and the salah which has now been called for. We ask Allah to give Muhammad Sallallahu al-wasila. And the wasila was explained in other statements of the Prophet Sallallahu as the highest place in paradise, which would be given to only one person. We ask Allah to give him that place, al-wasila. <clears throat> Not the state of intermediacy, as some people have mistakenly interpreted this, that he becomes a wasila to Allah, between us and Allah, we use to worship Allah through him. No, that is misguidance. Prophet Muhammad explained what is al-wasila. We don't make up our own meanings for it. And to give him that blessed place, which he promised, indeed, we will not break... <coughs> You do not break your promise. The promise of Allah is sure, it is certain. What He has promised the Prophet ﷺ, what He has promised us, will come. And we need to be certain of it. With certitude regarding the promise of Allah, our lives become straight. With uncertainty, with doubt, then our lives waver. We're off, we're on. Because when we are sure about a result, we stick to that thing. This is how we function in life. When we are sure about a particular result, then what is taking us to that result, we stick with that. We adhere to it. When we are unsure, this is when we are looking for other things, we have other choices, etc. That's how we function. That's common sense. But we are not sure of the promise of Allah. And that is why we are wavering. That is why we are suffering. That is why we are depressed. Why we are stressed. All of it is a result of our lack of certitude. We're not sure about the promise of Allah. So we need to stop and question. Because this goes back to aqidah. This is the core of our faith. These are the signs when we're off... These are the signs which let us know that we need to go back and renew our faith. Renew our certitude. Remind ourselves that the promise of Allah is true. It is certain. Paradise will be 
for the true believers. We want to be there, then we need to be true believers. So, <clears throat> we make uh, this dhikr, dua at the end of our adhan, and then we should make the two rak'at sunnah of fajr in our homes. This is something which very few of us do, including myself. Why? Because we're usually leaving the home at the time of the iqamah. This is what happens to us. But if we're leaving home properly after adhan, preparing ourselves, we have enough time to make the sunnah in the home. Normally we think the masjid, this is the best, best, best place to play the sunnah. This is the masjid. Allah's house. The house of Allah. But Prophet Muhammad had said, the best salah that one can pray besides the compulsory prayers is in the home. Obviously this is directed towards who? The men, first and foremost. Of course, it can be for women because women can go to the masjid also. But the sunnah prayers, that they be done in the home, is important. It has a value. Not just in following the sunnah of Rasulullah since he said that's the best place, so we should do it, simply because he said it. But understanding also that there is particular good in it, where it is established in the home, because as we have families, we have children, wife, wives, praying in the home is a reminder. It's good that our, our children, the little ones, who don't normally go to the masjid, see us praying in the homes. So that issue of prayer, salah fil buyut, this issue of prayer in the homes, is something which is a norm. We want it a norm in the, in the house, in the home. This is part of establishing the Islamic home. That we make those sunnahs there. So, inshallah we should try to do that in the future. And in the coming khutbahs, we'll go through that basic salah, focusing on the du'as, the adhkar, which we normally don't do. Now everybody inshallah here already knows the salah. We're all here praying. So I will not go through each and every form of dhikr, each and every dua, but the ones which 99% of Muslims don't do. 
I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring us back to the religion of Islam. And to give us certitude of His Lordship. And to give us a true love of His Messenger, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I ask Allah to forgive our sins. And the sins of the Ummah. The sins of our relatives who have gone before. I ask Allah to help us to raise our children conscious of Him, firmly adhering to the sunnah of His Messenger. I ask Allah to help our governments, our leaders to be firm on the practice of Islam and the implementation of Allah's commands. And I ask Allah to bring this ummah together on what is good and to protect its weak members from what is evil. And I ask Allah to allow us to leave this world as true believers. Aqimus Salah. <laughs>